You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Hey y'all, spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So, if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Everybody and welcome to Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Bitty Swords, the little bits of history that don't quite fit in anywhere else, with me, your host, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books. Yes, 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 yes. I am feeling very uh, regal this week uh, as I sit in a Powerpuff Girls Snuggie and a crown. Because everybody deserves a crown. I'm a firm believer of this. Like, everyone should have, like, a crown or a tiara. Because they're just fun. They're fun. And they make you feel nice and pretty. And all the other good stuff with it. Like, uh, I think I actually gave... I did. I didn't think. I did do it. I gave a crown to one of my friends. My friend Shauna. uh, My favourite smut peddler. And I gave her a crown just because and she was so happy like she really she was very happy to receive it but like it just give the person that you care about a crown and or tiara honestly it's just great it's just a wonderful wonderful thing and you can wear it anywhere you can wear it to the shops you can wear it in the garden you can wear it eating cereal like there's nothing to stop you. You can wear a crown while watching The Crown. Like, you can just do that. There's no rule against it. It's just like a fun way to be, says me, who's, again, in a Powerpuff, like, snuggy. Ah, uh, there was this cute Powerpuff Girls, like, backpack. And I love it. And I would use it. But I feel like my little girl would steal it from me. And I wouldn't have the heart to, like, 
keep it. I'd have to let her have it. Because I'm an adequate parent. I'm alright. But yeah, I, uh, I, I have exciting news. Uh, I bought an electric toothbrush. Oh yes. Oh yes. So I've had issues with, um, you know, gums and teeth and stuff like that. Uh, part of it's ADHD, part of it was a result from issues during my pregnancies and stuff like that. So stuff hasn't been super and I am trying to like kick start myself back into like a good routine. And I normally use like bamboo toothbrushes, that's kind of my deal. I, I prefer them actually. But I thought, you know what, I really need to just like really get myself into this. Because uh, I'm trying to take better care of myself. Because if I'm brushing my teeth, my kids are brushing their teeth. And it's just a better way for us all to take care of each other. And if it works, it fucking works. I'm just going to do it. But I did see a water flosser. It was on like a technology list of things you should own. A water flosser. It like shoots a jet of water onto your mouth and flosses your teeth for you. This is how you can tell I'm a fully grown adult because I get excited over a flossing machine. Because like I always have trouble with floss itself. I, it, I think it's a sensory issue, but I feel like shooting water directly into my mouth seems fine to me. <laughs> Okay, but I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, quit your jibber jabber. In fact, me, in fact, you, I will. Because the coronation is happening this weekend of King Charles III. So I thought, while that's happening, uh, why not regale you with the tale of from one Charles to another, you know? And go all the way back to King Charles I of England and Scotland. And I guess Ireland or whatever, you know, la 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 la. And Wales. Jeez, I forgot about Wales. But like, that's really funny. Like, because uh, Great Britain, I don't think existed at that point. Anyway, King Charles I of England. He reigned from 1625 to 1649. And you're probably thinking, geez, that's not a long reign at all. You're right. It's not. So Charles, Charlie boy, he did a couple of fun things. He dissolved Parliament. He, you know, forced the country into a civil war. You know, just just fun, friendly things. Uh, turned a kirkyard into a open door prison. So, hmm, not not really the most efficient of leaders. See, the thing about Charles is, quite like Henry VIII, he wasn't supposed to be king. He was the spare, you know? So there was an heir and a spare, and that was Charles I, right? So he was never meant to rule. And in fact, when James I, James VI of Scotland, James I of England, became, like the King of England. When they moved down to England, they left Charles behind. Like, they just fucking left him. Anyway, that is not the point of today's bittysode. The point of today's bittysode is, you know, more of a glow-down scenario 
frankly, he's a bit of a dick, right? So he's, I mean, he's an arsehole to his wife for such a long time. You know, he removes all of her sort of, her entourage and gets them sent away. And he, you know, gets really pissy when he takes advice from people the parliament don't really agree with because the parliament's got like Puritans and Royalists and everything else. And he wants everyone to act like Catholics, which, you know, considering the turmoil that's been happening over the last few, you know, decades, not really the best of ideas, really. So he causes issues in Scotland, uh, which is, there's a covenant and these Presbyterians, they want to just pray and do whatever they want to do. They want to have the right to their religion, you know, and Charles, he believes in the divine right of kings. So he's like, "Mm, no, I'm right. You have to follow me. Like I am, you know here because God put me on the throne. Like, divine right of kings. So he gets mad at these covenanters, right? And he puts them effectively in this open air prison. Like, there's a fight, they lose, Charles wins, Charles puts the survivors into prison. And it's an open air prison. So basically he puts them in a field next to a graveyard, right? In Edinburgh. And they have these bread rations which are so fucking tiny that people are dying of you know starvation and malnutrition and then the diseases start because they're out in the open there's no fucking protection from anything and then they just start dying off so this is already not a good look for charles right so he's already pissed off the scots the scots are mad at him And then he continues to piss off the English. So he taxes, even though they're not as taxed as much as other European countries, the taxes are being raised in Britain and English people are just not having it. Just not having it. They're mad that he's married a Catholic, a French Catholic, which is, they're probably just more mad that she's French, honestly, I swear at this point. And things just don't go well. So, when after he's dissolved Parliament a bunch of times, the Parliament basically put in this rule. They started voting, and that they were gonna um, that they couldn't be dissolved by the king on a whim, basically. And uh, yeah, yeah. So one thing leads to another, and this results in a civil war. So you've got the Roundheads, which are led by Oliver Cromwell, who is a cunt. And then you had the Royalists, or the Cavaliers, depending on how you want to phrase them. I think Cavaliers sounds more fun, but uh, Charles wasn't fun. And Oliver Cromwell would be as miserable as sin, but sinning isn't allowed under Cromwellian rule, so... That's its own uh, own little kettle of fish. So between the Roundheads and the Cavaliers, there's this fucking power struggle. So there's this power struggle, it's between the monarchy and the parliament, and they're just 
trying to be the alpha, right? They're trying to be the big boss. They're trying to see who has, like, the authority to rule the land. Because you've got the parliament who feel like they have earned this power. Even though most of it's fucking inherited, so... And then you have the king, again, who believes that he has been placed upon the throne by God himself. Like, he believes it is his, like, spiritual fucking duty to be there. Right? So... You've got the parliament and you get the king and they're all just arseholes and they're fighting. And then you got the taxes. The people are being taxed. Again, not as harsh as other countries in Europe, but they're being taxed. He's raised the taxes because he has to fund wars and other such expenses. And so people are getting pissed off because they think they're being unfairly taxed. In fairness, there was some weird taxes in there. And then you've got this whole land dispute situation. So, basically land was being, like, given out and provided to people. And people weren't really happy with that because they felt that some people were getting more than others. And it wasn't fair. Because, of course, this is a situation where things are fair. And then, of course, we have religion the daddy of them all because uh, for quite a lot of british history religion has come into it and it's been causing chaos ever since and because there's this massive conflict right between you know protestants and catholics and it's uh, it just bollockses everything up and then you get the church of england itself right which loads of people are just unhappy with in general. But then you've got Charles as the head of it, who, let's face it, was a bit more Catholic-leaning than he should have been as, you know, the head of the Church of England, which is a, you know, a Protestant church. And so all this bubbles up and adds up and leads to the English Civil War. So the final part of the English Civil War is the Siege of Oxford. I think it's technically like three sieges in one. And so there's basically royalists inside and the parliamentarians are outside. And they're sieged. They're being sieged. And and it becomes less of like a battle scenario and more like a political one. See, this is all because the king decided to set up his own parliament the King's Oxford Parliament and was it January of 1644? Am I saying this was a good idea? No, absolutely fucking not. Because quite a lot of people in Oxford were roundheads. They did not support the King. I mean, it was like financially a really good idea to be there. Yes. So the King, he's in, I think, Christchurch and then the Queen, she's over in Merton. And, you know, Oxford University is it's happening, it's still going. And it's not really been affected that much by this, which is fucking hilarious. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? 
Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Uh, And I think both of the princes... Charles and James, they get like these honorary degrees because of course they do. Because of course they fucking do. But anyway, by the time May comes around, mm, yeah, things are not looking well. They're dealing with these skirmishes and battles that don't really do anything or help them in any way. And it gets to the point where they have to shit or get off the pot. So they realise that if the city is besieged, they don't have enough supplies to last more than a fortnight. They've got two weeks, if that. And that's if they're lucky, right? So the king says, fuck this for a game of soldiers. And he decides, it's time to get the hell out of Dodge. And they come up with a clever ruse. They pull a Siegfried and Roy, obviously, and they create a diversion. So the king has an army march into a part of Oxford to kind of distract the roundheads, right? And so King Charles, Prince Charles, um, about two and a half thousand musketeers, a bunch of, like, aristocracy, and a fuck ton of horses, clearly. They, you know, they escape, they leave. And it's June at this point, so they're not exactly under cover of darkness. They're, like, leaving at night. And there are wagons. There are just stuff. He's bringing stuff with him. And none of the roundheads notice. None of the parliamentary forces clocked this happening. Clearly fucking not. So there are more battles and more skirmishes and other shit that happens. And basically, they end up sieged again in Oxford. And on the 27th of April, 1646, the Royalists are losing, the Roundheads are closing in, and Charles, he needs to leave. Because Oxford is literally a couple days from being under Roundhead control. Like, Charles I is fucked. He's absolutely bollocks, right? So he has no choice but to try and escape. But he is the king. He can't bring an entourage. He cannot, you know, have anything about him that makes him look like the king. So, again, another careful ruse. Another sneaky, sneaky plan. Is he decides, or someone else decides, at one point, well, a decision is made, right? A decision is made for him to dress like a servant. Because this is the third and final siege of Oxford and hmm, once that's taken over, 
Charles is done for. He's being captured. So he has to escape. He needs to change his look. And so they give him a haircut. So not only do they cut his hair back, but they chop off his love lock. It's like a little braid, a little pleat, plait, however you want to call it. It's down like the left-hand side. And it, it's worn as a sort of sign of devotion for someone. Um, it makes me think of the Jedi. I can't help it. It just does because it's just a thing. So they chop that off because it's very distinguished. You know, his portrait has it distinguished. No, distinct. God, what is it with me and words today? Yes, yeah, so it's very distinct. The king is known to have a love lock. There is a portrait of him with a love lock. Okay, like there's, we know it's there. So yeah, uh, his beard is trimmed, his hair is cut, they lose the braid. And yeah, they dress him up in shabby clothes. Well, not shabby clothes, but like not royal attire. So they dress him up. He cosplays as the lowly man, as a servant, right? Oh, and he even has like a name for his character. He calls himself Harry. Like, of course he does. He's supposed to leave and he's supposed to go on like a straight route. He was like, you know, as the crow flies, try and make it easy. However, he's convinced to go like just a more roundabout route. So he kind of goes like towards London and then he goes up a little bit and round a little bit and trying to head to sort of Newark. Charles is on the run. He's looking for allies. So he's heading towards Greater London and he's not really hearing a peep. Not really, not really anything coming any which way for him. So his options are kind of limited. He's got, you know, find some sort of help in London, some sort of ally. That's one. Two, go and meet with the Scots who, you know, already pissed off at you. Or three, fuck off to France. Like, that's your options. So they are trying to head to a port. But then he thinks, maybe I can ally with the Scots, right? And there's these clandestine deals. There's back and forth. And at this point, it's kind of known that Charles is dressed as this particular servant. So he ends up changing into, like, religious garb. He's now dressed like a clergyman, like that's, that's where he's at now. So these deals are going back and forth and they're trying to, you know, get some help there. And so he is welcomed into a Scottish camp and they're surprised he's there. Well, some of them are surprised. A few people clearly are not. And he becomes less of, um, how would I put this? Less of a guest and more of, um, a prisoner because the Scots contact you know the the parliament and they're like hey yeah so we have the king you want him and he's being kept in Kellum house and uh yeah and after nine months nine months that's how long it takes to grow a human it's actually closer to 10 but that's not the point after this time there's finally an agreement and The Scots exchange 
they do a wee swap. They sell him, right? They sell King Charles to the Roundheads, right? For a hundred thousand pounds. And the promise of more money coming into their hands, right? And so Charles gets delivered to the Parliamentary Commissioners in January of 1647. And so this deal that King Charles made with the Scots, right, because he had attempted to align himself with them, like, this is seen as an act of treason. But, like, here's the thing, you know, the Roundheads would have found one way or the other to, you know, get rid of King Charles. Like, they were planning, I mean, Cromwell was definitely planning to lob off his head. Like, that was gonna be their end game. But him deliberately reaching out to Scotland is enough of, like, it seems treason. So, like, it, it was definitely enough to get rid of him, obviously, because it did. But, like, yeah, it's not, it's not the best of plans. It's not the best of plans, was it, Charles? No. But anyway, so ends the tale of the escape of King Charles I. If you liked my retelling of this, like, story of this little ramble I had, um, please rate and review five stars. Uh, you can say anything. Because if you're on Apple Podcasts, as long as you write something in the review as well, it really boosts up the algorithm. I don't know why. It's algorithm science. It's just math, apparently. So, that's great. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I, I think I have a Snapchat. I don't really use it. It's weird to me. And now there's an AI thing that keeps trying to have conversations with me. So that's worrying. But yeah, I'm on all of the socials. And I am going to be in Kansas later this month. Wow. And I've got more interesting stuff coming up. And I can't wait to tell you all about it once things are locked in and in the bag. And I am speaking faster, which means I'm getting very tired. Yes, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I shall be chatting to you next time. There may be a bonus episode coming, that's all I'm saying. Okay, and with that, I shall bid you good night. Adios, au revoir, au revoir, my friends. Bye bye.